You are Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to a Wednesday morning episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Sports Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade, and I'm very excited to be joined by our special recurring guest, Matt Vandenberg. Matt is back on the show today to talk to us all about this Iowa Hawkeye season and what to expect going into next season. So without further ado, let's hop into that conversation right now. All right, I am joined here by former Iowa Hawkeye wide receiver and the host of every Monday morning recap with Matt, Matt Vandenberg. Matt, it is a pleasure having you on the show. I thought we were going to have two more shows but that did not happen. Michigan unable to play. Uh, Missouri, uh, we'll just say unable to play. We'll just call it like that, um, although I have a lot of thoughts on that. But either way, it's glad, it's great to have you back on the show again to do a little bit of a recap of this past season, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, like you said, I mean, I I would have liked to have had two more uh, wins to talk about because I, I do believe that's where we would have been. But uh, at least we get an opportunity to kind of talk about the season. Yeah, I mean, I try to I try to be positive in the fact that Iowa went six and two um, coming into the season. I didn't expect them to go six and two, mostly because I thought other teams were going to be a little bit stronger. But you go six and two, you win your last six games. Um, it's hard to be negative about that kind of a season, right? I mean, there's so many things coming into the season that could have went poorly, and Iowa rebounded well. And I think it's just frustrating to see that. They could add two more games, and this could have been one of those seasons to talk about for years to come in Iowa Hawkeye history, like that 2015 team, like that 2009 team, uh, the 2004. I mean, that's that's to me is what this team could have been this year. Do you disagree with that, or you're kind of on the same page? No, no, I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, you think about the beginning of the year and talk about beating or just narrowly losing to Northwestern, but the Northwestern goes on and wins by I think 20 in their bowl game. Uh, against uh, against a good opponent, but they went out there and showed what Big Ten football does. They played well in the Big Ten championship against Ohio State until late. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things there that we were, you know, close, but, uh, you know, as we talk about a lot, I mean, close doesn't necessarily lead to wins, but it tells you, it gives you a good barometer on where you're at, and then you can uh, work from there. Couldn't agree more. And then obviously how Indiana played gives me the feeling that I think Iowa could have handled Indiana pretty well. Not saying everything is, you know, you can't just, it's not transit property. One team struggles, so you're going to do well against them. Every team is going to be different. But um, I really feel like Iowa could beat Indiana. Um, the way Indiana played and how they looked, I feel like I was absolutely right there. So, yeah, I mean, real quick, before we get into Iowa stuff, though, did you get a chance to watch the Ohio State Clemson game? Uh, I did, yeah. I, I watched it until, so we were on the East Coast, and uh, it was 11.30, and there was still seven minutes left to go, and we had to get up early in the next day, and I was like, uh, Ohio State had it in hand, so I, I went to bed at that point. Yeah, um, what are your thoughts on that? Because I was personally a bit shocked. I've watched Ohio State play every single game this year, and I bet on them almost every time and lost a decent chunk of money, so I decided I wasn't going to do it <laughs> against Clemson because I just didn't I didn't trust their their defensive pass you know their, you know the defensive pass game and then obviously I didn't trust Justin Fields to play like he did because in his two biggest games he kind of struggled a bit so anything you learned from there I mean Justin Fields obviously very tough competitor um, I'm not sure what happened when he got I mean speared I think is probably the best Dude, that way to was put insane it, but, um, and I mean it's tough for the defender in that situation so I'm not gonna act like that that was intended. Um, he actually came out and spoke on Twitter or something like that and saying how he was sorry and whatnot. But it's it's one of those things. It's a bang-bang kind of play, and you just can't put your head down. 
Yeah. Um, but in terms of like how we bounced back from that, and I think they all were like, all right, we deserve to be here. They felt like, and it's not often that Ohio State can walk in and be the underdog. I mean, people love that underdog mentality and they never get it. So for Dabo to have them ranked as 11th going into this uh, and that getting released, which I don't know how often that stuff is publicized, um, but I thought it was interesting that you never hear about any other, <laughs> any other ones until this one. Yep. Um, but I'm sure Ohio State was like, okay, we need to prove to them that we belong and we're going to prove to Bama that we belong. And right now, I think the line is at like seven and a half. So it's not even that, you know, it's a one score game. In yeah. I think it's interesting that motivation can be such a big factor, especially during bowl season. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I still on paper, I just don't feel like Ohio State's a better team than Clemson, but they came out and they wanted it more. And that was clear and evident. And Justin Fields gained my respect so much because I'm pretty, he had to play in the broken rivers. Dude, he did not look good at all whenever he wasn't throwing the ball. I mean, he getting on the bike, he could barely get his leg over the chair. Uh, it's just very impressive nonetheless. Um, but let's get into some Iowa football talk. Again, great season, but let's go through some superlative type of things. So we're looking at this offense. Um, there were some ups and there were some downs, but um, given the ups, who would be your MVP for this season? Who would be the main guy, the top guy from the offensive side of the ball this season? I mean, it's it, if you want to go stats and accolades, then you probably got to go with Tyler Goodson, what he was able to do for you know the offense, whether it be with the – I'm going to call it the Wild Hawk – uh, or the Wildcat, whatever, um, you know, from that situation where he was able to catch the ball out of the backfield, they lined up the receiver, and he really was uh, really was utilized well, I felt like. Um, and again, we talked about on a previous podcast, it wasn't like they were forcing him the ball. It just naturally was like, okay, yeah, we should probably give it to him here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, but as far as like up front, I mean, I don't know how you don't go with Tyler Linderbaum the way that, you know, he conducts the line and especially helping Spencer out with different, um, different protections and understanding where the buck is and who he's hot off of and things like that, making sure that the whole offensive line knows because there was a lot of rotating parts on that offensive line. And obviously Linderbaum was one of those that was stable uh, and was able to get guys for the most part where they needed to be. I mean, there are times where, you know, Spencer's going to get hit. That's uh, football. But in terms of being able to really show up every day, and we know he shows up and goes to work and does what he does. So uh, second team All-American, second team All-Big Ten, which is mind-boggling. Ridiculous. Um, which and which I listened to that podcast where you were just reaming everybody on that. But I was so pissed. As... <laughs> like that, it was a bad – dude, like there's a week where just I was really pissed off about everything that was <laughs> happening in Iowa football. <laughs> right. So uh, – but I'd say probably those two guys. If you want to go with stats and, you know, the skill guy, Tyler Goodson, but as far as conducting the offense, I'd go with Tyler. I love it. Yeah. Um, I think you bring up a good point that we probably need to do maybe the top two – because we're going to go defensive, and I would agree with you both on the Goodson and the Linderbaum you know, stance. But defensively, I think it's going to be tough to not say Davian Nixon. So maybe we <laughs> right. just give him the pass as you were clearly the defensive MVP. You were the spark plug of this team. Who would be your number two on the defensive side of the ball? Um, I kind of felt like Jack Kerner made a lot of really good plays. I mean, we talk a lot about Nick Neiman and how he's always around the football. So I think that's worthy as well. But as far as, uh, I mean, Jack Kerner came up with a lot of big interceptions or he was flying down, making tackles, um, you know, and, and it was, you know, catch and go down kind of thing. Uh, but I think both of those guys, I'm probably going to give the edge, actually, as I'm talking about, I'm probably going to give the edge to Nick Neiman in that. But I thought that <laughs> both guys uh, played really well. 
Yeah, uh, the defense side of the ball is a little bit tougher to figure out who is number two, in my opinion, because I was trying to think about it as well, because um, I only put down one person as well when I was running through my notes. But I think you could honestly go Chauncey Golson. You can go Nick Neiman. You could go Jack Kerner. Uh, I think depending on how you look at playing time-wise, you could honestly go maybe a duo of Jack Campbell and Seth Benson in the middle. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to – I'm going to opt out of predicting my number two and just say, <laughs> okay. I think all those guys played really well. <laughs> sure. Let's um, go with that. Yeah. Uh, easy, easy way out there. Special teams. This one's good. I think could be a little difficult actually, but who are your thoughts on special teams MVP? So both, uh, well, two of our special specialists that I think, I mean, obviously Tori Taylor was a semifinalist, I think for the Ray guy award mm-hmm. as a freshman playing four games or whatever in his entire career. Um, so I think it's it's good to give the edge to him. Charlie Jones, obviously a spark plug on, on part return. I think Keith was automatic from inside of 50. So I think all of our all of our specialists really played well. So I'm going to encompass it. You took it easy way out. I'll do it on this one. Everybody, I felt like, <laughs> played well. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I really can't disagree with that either because I really – I think it's um, – again, I've never really paid so much attention to the, the, the Gunners. And ever since you talked about it, like – I'm just so fascinated by Terry Roberts on every single Maybe play. Maybe that's so I give it to is Terry Roberts. Yeah, the unsung hero here, right? It's, it's, mm-hmm. You can't give it to one of the Keith Duncan or Tory Taylor or, or Charlie Jones. Let's go with Terry Roberts. Let's go Terry Roberts. I, I'm with you on that. I love it. I do think real quick on the Keith Duncan note, I thought he kind of got screwed a little bit. Um, I think kicker, kicker wards are a bit interesting because um, a lot of it is very stat-based. But even statistically speaking, a lot of his misses were from beyond like 50 and beyond. And so when you factor those out, I was a little bit shocked he didn't at least get second team all Big Ten and possibly looked at his first team all Big Ten. Connor Cope, I thought, did well for Nebraska, but um, I thought that was a little bit interesting to see the reaction to Keith Duncan this year after missing a couple 50-yard field goals. Uh, yeah, I mean, as you said, kicker stuff is always different, and it kind of comes down to statistics versus uh you know, really anything else, which, you know, we talk about stats don't tell the full story. I mean, yep. if it's post 50, we know that his leg is right around that range. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think he deserves a little bit more. All right, let's quickly pause the conversation with Matt, because I do have a very important message for you. If you're anything like me, you're working out, you're busy throughout the day. Sometimes you just need a delicious yet healthy snack to keep you going. And that's where Built Bar comes in because it is the best tasting protein bar on the market today. It comes in 18 fantastic flavors and they're all covered in 100% chocolate. These bars are soft and easy to chew. And not only on top of their 18 amazing flavors, they have seasonal flavors that keep popping up. Pumpkin chocolate chip was one of the most recent ones and a personal favorite of mine. I also really love the mint brownie. The, Coke, the Cookies and Cream, which is one of the newer flavors, and the Caramel Brownie. Check out whatever flavor you want because they have one for everyone. But not only is the flavor fantastic, these bars puck a punch in the health department as well. One of my favorite flavors is Cookies and Cream. As I said, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. You can't find that in a protein bar anywhere else. And if you can, they don't taste nearly as good as a built bar so go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on and you'll get 20 percent off your next order use promo code locked on for 20 percent off at builtbar.com 2020 is mercifully mercifully over it is time for a fresh start and a few more wins if you're betting this year and want more wins listen to locked on bets podcast with your boy q and lee sterling of paramount sports they are picking college basketball football and nba locks all winter long subscribe to the locked on bets podcast wherever you get your podcast app let's get back into that conversation with matt vandenberg though right now absolutely so let's move on to the opt-outs because we're in an interesting situation uh the only time i 
ever remember it being like this, where every senior has to actually declare for the NFL draft because we don't know if they're coming back or staying. Um, obviously, most people are leaving. That was expected, especially given a lot of these guys are going to be redshirt seniors, um, ready to kind of move on to their next know next job next uh you know stop of their you know football career but we have a couple people staying as well so Zach Van Valkenburg has decided to stay which I think is a huge pickup for that defensive line um I think we can maybe see Caleb Shudok stay as well uh finally getting a chance to actually kick field goals and not just kick the ball off um what are your thoughts on on the situation we're going through and what are kind of the thoughts that maybe people are going through as a redshirt senior you've kind of gone through this a little bit because you got a medical redshirt I believe after mm-hmm. your redshirt senior season correct no I didn't redshirt so my only redshirt was the medical redshirt oh I thought you okay so yes yeah, so you get the medical redshirt but um what were, you know you kind of been in a situation a little bit where you could you had the opportunity to return if you wanted to um what are the thoughts going through their mind at this point if you kind of take a step into what they're thinking of so different positions call for different things. Like Shudak isn't getting bumped around every single play. So his shelf life can be a lot longer if he goes on and, you know, does phenomenal next year. If he chooses to come back, does phenomenal next year and gets an opportunity in the NFL, you can play until you're 45. But as far as like every other position, the way I see it is, I mean, it's a very finite time you have to play football and it's a very finite time you have in different situations. So if you're, if you're a highly touted guy, you're taking a year off of the opportunity to make money. You can always come back and get your degree. If you're going to be a highly touted guy, like a top three round guy, uh, I'd say, I say go and then come back and get your degree later because you can only play this game for so long. Um, So that's kind of my feeling there. It's just tough on the body. I mean, it it really is. And, and to act like it isn't, I mean, don't get me wrong. These are phenomenal athletes and they, they try to take care of their body the best they can. But at the same time, I mean, receivers just don't play until they're 40, unless you're Jerry Rice outside of that. I mean, the average NFL career, and we're talking spanning everything is three years. The average thing is three years. And then you see all these guys like Peyton Manning played for a long time. Tom Brady's still playing. But the average, like those are yeah. way above it. So to think about that, you only have that. And that that's carrying that average too. Absolutely. So that, that's kind of my thought is you only have so much time to play this game that if you have an opportunity to go and potentially make money, I think that that's the way you should go. Couldn't agree more, um, which brings us to an interesting you know, thing. You said, if you can go top three, you got to go. And Davian Nixon, I think everyone saw that coming. Uh, fantastic performance this year. He was undoubtedly going to leave, especially when you think about draft stock and the fact that as a defensive tackle, his draft stock really can't get much higher than it is. <laughs> right. uh, I don't think you can get higher than top 15, especially, again, at a position like defensive tackle. But Tyler Linderbaum decided to stay. And what's interesting enough is that I actually didn't feel like that was um, – as cut and drive a decision to leave. And obviously it clearly wasn't because he decided to stay, but it sounds like he's really good friends with Spencer Petrus. He really enjoys just being an Iowa Hawkeye, um, a guy who's a red shirt sophomore. So he still has technically, I guess, three years of eligibility. If you don't count this year, um, undoubtedly going to be gone next year, but it seems like he, he feels like he has some unfulfilled business. Um, what are your thoughts on Tyler Linderbaum staying and how big of a, an impact is that for an offensive line that's going to be losing in Alaric Jackson um, and a Cole Banwert? Uh, for Iowa, I think it's phenomenal uh, not having to try and break in a new center with your uh, only one-year starter quarterback. Mm-hmm. So that obviously is a very good thing for for Iowa. For Tyler Linderbaum, I kind of just made my case. Uh, you only get so much time, but if uh, now that's my thoughts. So yep. everybody is different. So what he feels is best for Tyler Linderbaum is what he should do for Tyler Linderbaum. Yep. And you know, he and his family believe that that's coming back and be an Iowa Hawkeye, which Iowa fans are going to love that. Yeah. 
Um, and as far as, you know, trying to keep the offensive line, we talked about rotating pieces. You talk about two guys already leaving. Uh, it'll, it'll be a real help to that offensive line to have a veteran there. Yeah, I think it's a really good point to make as well is when people are leaving the team for whatever reason, Hawkeye fans should be supportive of that, whether it's transferring, whether it's medically retiring, whether it's going to the NFL, um, being upset at the player is never appropriate, which is a whole nother topic. But I think in general, people should be very supportive of any decision that these athletes decide to make because ultimately it's in their best interest and whatever they feel like is best for them. So couldn't agree Absolutely. more. Um, as far as the NFL draft prep process looks like, you've been through this. Uh, we have a lot of guys here. They're going to be going through this. Um, what are you doing now to get your body ready? So after, well, after a long, grueling season, this one was a little bit weird, <clears throat> excuse me, in that aspect. Um, so they had eight, eight consecutive games, and then they've been, you know, game ready, uh, you know, obviously getting ready for whatever it is. So now they're going to go back. Uh, it depends on if they want to train with Iowa. Um, Iowa does have uh, – you know, they, they offer training to guys that are getting ready for pro day or getting ready for the combine. Uh, but then there are also a lot of different other things, depending upon if you, uh, who you sign with as an agent, you can go out and uh, I think Exos does something. I know George went down there um, and there's a few different places that you can go to train versus training at Iowa. So it, it's really how you and your agent feel are going to get you the best prepared. But this is the part that I think like, I'm not as big of a fan of, like, I love testing because you get to see how athletic people are but testing doesn't equate to like, let's talk about DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf had a very poor three cone drill and everybody was talking about it. Everybody was saying, Oh, he can't cut. He can't do this. He's about to set records for Seattle yeah. in his second year. And this is a guy that runs more than just the deep ball. He's really good at running the deep ball, but he does a lot of really good yep. things, but his three cone and they're like, Oh, whatever. And he fell to the second round because of it. And so like testing now, now you look at like a Tristan Wirfs goes out there and does phenomenal in the combine phenomenal to the point where he didn't even have to do anything on pro day if he didn't want to. Yep. And, you know, and it showed his athleticism and now it's showing on the field because he is able to do those things. So I don't think everything always correlates and that's kind of annoying that you're more worried about how you drill versus how you play football. Yeah. It, it's tough. I think, I think too often we, we buy so much into those metrics when in all actuality, it should just be one piece of the process it shouldn't just, I mean, I think AJ Epinez is a fantastic example of this where he runs a poor 40 yard dash and people are like, where's he going to play at? Can he play defensive end? Like defensive <laughs> yeah. ends are not running 40 yards at a straight line. And if they are, mm -hmm. the play was already screwed already. They shouldn't <laughs> be doing that. And also AJ right. Epinez is not a speed rusher. Like there's so mm -hmm. many things that, I mean, AJ Epinez is a power guy. He's a very strong guy and he uses his hands. Well, he doesn't need to be able to run a 40 yard dash at four or five seconds. He's not Chase Young. So I, I completely agree with that. I think that makes it very interesting. Uh, moving over to some other fantastic news. Obviously I'm wishing the best for all these players that are going to be ultimately training. I did always think it was interesting to know who would stay at Iowa versus who doesn't. It sounds like it's really up to the kind of the agent and what they ultimately decide. And if they have a connection of, you know, elsewhere, I know Michael Ojemudia last year was working out down in Florida as well. Um, looks like Amir Smith-Marset might also be in Florida this year. Um, just based off his Instagram stories is my assumption. Um, <laughs> Kirk though, let's get into some good news. Kirk is back. All right. It is the last pause of this talk with me. I hope you all are enjoying it as I have been, but as you know, there are so many sports going on. We have the college ball playoff championship game going on between Clemson, or sorry, excuse me, Alabama and Ohio State. We have college basketball every single day. We got the NHL starting up. NBA is back in full force. 
And there's only one place that has you covered in one place that I trust to handle all of my betting needs. And that is betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. And do not forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON where you can receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That's right. Promo code LOCKEDON. Go to betonline.ag. Make sure you put a little extra money in your pocket now. Now that you have all these sports going on, you have a trustworthy site to go to. BetOnline.ag has you covered. And use that promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And if you want some custom Iowa lines, you want to know how, what, are the good, what are the odds for Caitlin Clark to win Big Ten Player of the Year, let me know. We'll get some custom lines in there for you Iowa Hawkeye fans as well. So make sure to tweet that at me as well. And we'll get those BetOnline odds on your way, betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Wednesdays on Locked On NFL, take a dive into the future of your favorite NFL franchises. Tony Wiggins and James Rapian are joined every week by a Locked On draft expert to talk prospects in the upcoming draft and young NFL players fresh in the league. Did your team have a big rookie performance this week, or are they shaping up to have a premier draft pick in the 2021 draft? Get everything you need Wednesdays on Locked On NFL. Subscribe to Locked On NFL wherever you get your podcast at. Let's finish up with our final well, it's not, even, it's not even a Monday morning. Our Wednesday morning recap with Matt of the 2020 college football season right now. I don't think – I think it's tough. People – I mean, I didn't think he was going to be leaving. I, I, and I know Kirk is probably not – and you know him way better, obviously, uh, actually playing for him and, and whatnot. But I feel like Kirk is not the guy who's going to tell people he's leaving in the middle of the season, right? Because he, he, <laughs> he doesn't want any attention to be about him. He wants it to be about the team. And he'll do it in the most – Kirk way, which will be a press conference, be like, oh, I'm gone, by the way, retired, FYI, or something like that, I feel like. But anyways, he did give a good comment saying he's only, you know, he's probably going to be back for the next five years almost. Like, he's not ready to retire. He doesn't know what he wants to do. Um, what are your thoughts on that? When do you think Kirk's actually going to leave? I mean, at some point, he's got to gotta step away, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I got two things. One, uh, I was mad when he said that because – the reason I'm mad, everybody else had like these cool graphics and it was like, hey, I'm leaving or hey, I'm staying. <laughs> Why didn't KF come out with one that he had where he's like coaching on the sideline, like in a nice pose. And then it's like, I'm coming back. And they're like, <laughs> you know, something like that. But so that, that was the only I thing love I love it. I will football to post something like that. You know, KF's back. Um, but no. So obviously I love the fact that he's coming back. He's done so much for the program and continues to do a lot for the program, especially with the tumultuous offseason that we had. And still able to kind of push forward through that and not kind of, but push forward through that and be able to make uh, what seems to be a, 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 a better situation, um, especially with no spring and no summer and to have a first year quarterback and to go six and, you know, rattle off the last six with an opportunity to win eight games in a 10 game season is pretty good. Yep. Um, but I remember during, uh, they asked him something during quarantine and um, or when they were off, you know, and he was spending more time with Mary and he was like, yeah, I think I'm ready to come back. <laughs> I'm not ready for retirement yet. So, uh, I know he loves Mary, but I know he loves football a little, uh, a little as well. Yeah. It's uh quarantine makes people realize, uh, sometimes heart or distance does make the heart grow fonder. Sometimes you need people to be gone a little bit to be able to appreciate them when they're around. I think my wife feels that way about me because I haven't traveled <laughs> for work in about a year, but, uh, nevertheless, <laughs> I, I digress there. Um, every single episode of the show that we've done together, we always talk about Spencer Petrus and he's the quarterback. He's the face of this offense. It's, it's just, it's natural. And then obviously the struggles we talked about the after Wisconsin. I felt like he made a lot of really great improvements and gave me some excitement going into this off season. However, we do have an off season 
hopefully it sounds like we're going to have an off season or at least a more um, legitimate off season than we did last time. That also gives the opportunity for a guy like Alex Padilla to step up. It gives an opportunity for Deuce Hogan to step up. Um, Joey Labas. I mean, I, I think what I'm getting at this is there's always a chance someone could take someone's job, right? If someone outperforms someone, they're going to have the opportunity. And I don't think Spencer Petras closed the door going into 2021. I don't think he cemented himself like Nate Stanley did in my opinion of saying I am the guy next year, at least to the media. So with that being said, what are your thoughts heading into the 2021 uh, or 2021 season with Spencer Petras? And what do you feel like is your idea of what's going to happen next year with him or the quarterback position? Well, that's one of the best things about football. And that's one of the best things about Iowa. I don't, um, I'll, I'll kind of share a little bit of my story. Um, but one of the best parts is that you fight every day for your opportunity to be on the field. Now, wide receiver is different because there's, um, you know, I mean, there's a, what, three, four, well, we saw even 10 personnel. So four receivers on the field at a time. So it's obviously different from quarterback where you have one and that guy stays on the field all of the time. So, I mean, like it's a little bit different there. Um, But so I was a gray shirt and um, I wasn't supposed to start until the spring uh, after 2013. So the spring of 14 is when I was supposed to get there. Um, but about four days before camp started, um, a receiver left the team and KF called me and was like, Hey, we need you for camp. You know, like you start in four days. <laughs> I was like, okay. Uh, so I get the call, get all my bags packed, get down there. And I, when I went down there, I didn't have any of the summer training that anybody else had. I didn't have anything. Um, so I knew nothing. I was supposed to be a DB, whatever. So when I showed up, I was number 14 out of 14 wide receivers. Um, and then by, I mean, like I, I was last in every drill. I was trying to get, you know, obviously ahead and whatever, but they knew everybody already. Nobody knew me in terms of like, uh, you know, it was a new receivers coach, new offensive coordinator, that kind of stuff, uh, from when I had been getting recruited. So, um, thankfully I started to play a little bit better, started doing better in practice or whatever, and found myself playing on the second week after being 14 out of 14, I rose up to about six or seven. Yeah, on the depth chart, and that was with you know good seniors on the team. Talk about Cabante and fourteen, and and uh, you know Tavon and Blake Kaluska. Those guys were playing. Um, and Don Shumpert as well, who's actually with the Cardinals now. But like a lot of different opportunities there, um, and so just showing up to work every day and knowing that you have an opportunity to work with the guys around you, but that also creates a competitive environment. If I'm trying to make you better, well, if I'm trying to make myself better so I can beat you, you're going to try and make yourself better so you can beat me. And then in turn, that competition continues to make both people better. And I think we saw that with Uyghurs and Stanley during uh, camp as well. And with Rudock and CJ and like that kind of stuff where you're pushing each other, like, okay, I got to make this throw because if he makes that throw, then I need to make a better throw. Well, I made a better throw. Now he's going to make a better, like, that's just how competition works. And I think that's such a great thing when it comes to football, especially at Iowa. That was the most amazing non-answer answer you could have given. I, I absolutely love it because you, you didn't say anything about Spencer at all, which I really, I appreciate. That was exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> um, I Real quick, two things with that. I know you got to get going, but um, I guess I didn't realize the gray shirt piece. I know we've talked before. I just don't remember you saying that. Maybe I didn't ask or maybe I'm just not remembering, but um, you and Kevin Casper have like the exact same story then of, uh, oh, hey, you know, you're going to walk onto this team or you're going to, you know, your preferred walk on, you know, that kind of thing or, you know, the gray shirt status. And then a couple of days before camp get called down and you're going there and then you got to work your butt off and you're going to get into that rotation. So I didn't even realize that you two have that in common. Obviously, you know, Kevin's my uh, favorite player growing up and whatnot. <laughs> I think that's really cool. Uh, uh, gray shirt, just a quick thing there. Gray shirt actually is a full scholarship. It just doesn't just start the following season. until until spring. Okay. 
So I was planning on taking like a few online courses or whatever that first semester just around South Dakota and then just transferring it into Iowa at spring. But I was like, okay, I've changed that. Yeah, is the purpose of that because of scholarships then? Like they want you there, they're going to give you a scholarship, you just got to pay your way for one semester? Yeah, it's more or less like how many scholarships have already given out. So okay. if they've already met their, I don't want to say quota because I hate that word, but like yeah. <laughs> if they've met their amount of scholarships they can have for that summer or for that fall, then when those seniors graduate and there's semester and there's scholarships available, then that's when that, then that's basically what I would take over. That makes sense. Yeah, because I think like Adam Robinson was a gray shirt as well and ended up playing. Uh, Tommy like, Donatello was as well. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, like definitely a, a, and Riley Moss was a gray shirt. Uh, wasn't expected to really – I don't think he was expected to – yeah. Anyways, I go on for – we can figure out that later. But <laughs> um, Cool. So, yeah, I mean, that makes sense about the Spencer Petrus. Uh, I have some interesting stats. I'm going to bring it up on another show just talking about him in comparison to some of the other quarterbacks and the fact that Iowa has had a history of switching quarterbacks – between off seasons. We've seen it happen with Nathan Chandler going to Drew Tate. We saw it happen with Jake Christensen going to Ricky Stanzi. And then you experienced the most recent one, Jake Rudolph to CJ Beathard, which was less out of season. Kind of, we saw the writing on the wall <laughs> throughout that last season with Jake Rudolph, but um, nevertheless, going to be a very fun off season real quick before we let you go. Kind of, you got to get going. What is your prediction for next year's football team? That's tough. In terms of like a record? Or yeah. You can go wins, losses. Good? Yeah. <laughs> Iowa will be good. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think Iowa will be good. They'll be over 500. I mean, that's <laughs> obvious. I mean, <laughs> I can make that prediction all day. I don't know what the schedule is going to look like. Um, I think it'll be a very big off season for guys like Laporta, guys like Tracy, guys like Reganey, guys like Goodson. Like those guys. I mean, they're Goodson. Obviously, you know, we talked about him as the offensive MVP. He, you know, take it up a notch. Now you become a Brees Hall of this yep. team, you know, and as well as like the other guys, like they've played, but they haven't made the impact maybe that they could potentially make. Yeah, there haven't um, been the guy yet. Right. And there hasn't been that, you know, that workhorse. And really that since um, Brian's taken over, I've seen that they really divvy up the ball. Well, um, I know like when I was there, um, you know, it, 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 the offense kind of catered toward a few different, people in the progression versus really trying to spread around. I know uh, coach O'Keefe, like Marvin had like 70 catches. Uh, Cavante was up there in catches myself. Uh, I was up there in catches easily was up there in catches like that kind of stuff happens. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see if one guy steps forward and he goes, no, 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 I'm the guy like on third and four, I'm getting you five, yep. you know, and that's kind of the big step that they have to take at least offensively. I think to get a guy where they feel comfortable, I know he's going to win. I'm going to get in the ball. Yeah, I mean, I felt like that was the way with TJ Hawkinson, right? Like, he just – he made it known that, I mean, it, he was getting the ball in crunch time. If you wanted a big catch, you went to TJ every single time. Same thing, you got the ball. Or Nick would get the ball when he – you know, he was the guy there. I mean, that's what we've seen. It was weird that Amir Smith-Marset and Brandon Smith didn't seemingly – either of them were neither, – neither of those guys, like, we're going to get them the ball. Brian was still down to spread it out across. And, again, I mean, there was big times where Amir stepped up hugely. There's times where Brandon stepped up – Big time, but he also is willing to give it to Tracy or Nico or right. any of those guys. So yeah, we'll be interested to see that. Um, Matt, I took up a little bit of your time. I know it's Sunday morning. Any last thoughts before we hop off the show today? Uh, I think it's I think it's going to be an exciting off season. The fact that we have hopefully have an off season, I think that that's going to be huge for this uh, Iowa Hawkeye team and 
And it, it, it got a lot more exciting as the year went on. Not saying it wasn't exciting at the beginning because it's still exciting. Yep. But the fact that now they've had eight games to Spencer's had game reps now. I think that that'll help him go into the offseason. But like we talked about, I mean, now he knows it. I mean, every player's on the chopping block. Every player. I don't care who you are. Tyler Vanderbaum has to be better than the next best center. He has to continue to do that day in and day out. Um, and so I think that this is going to be a really exciting thing for, for Spencer to, to really show us what he can do, especially given the opportunity to get more reps and get uh, understand the offense maybe a little bit better than he had before. Absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun going into next season. Uh, definitely Hawkeye fans everywhere are very excited for next season of football, getting an opportunity to play a full season, getting an opportunity to take on some big time. We're taking on Indiana the first week of the season in Iowa State. So Iowa's going, awesome. to be, Iowa's going to be ready, need to be ready to go immediately out of the gate. It's going to be a lot <laughs> like this past year where there was no uh, warm-up games with a Ball State or a Kent State <laughs> or whatever. So it's going to be a lot right. of fun. Matt, I really enjoyed having you on the show. Um, have a fantastic day. And we'll talk to you later, man. Thanks, Andrew. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, and that concludes our show today with Matt. Again, a big shout-out to him. He's joined us so many times throughout the season to give us all this great insight on the Iowa Hawkeye football team. And make sure to follow him in the community, doing some really great stuff. Um, obviously, at Urban Acres, as a you know real estate agent, make sure to check Matt out. Check out his wife and what she's doing for all the Iowa Hawkeye athletic community, um, hosting pregame shows and all that really great stuff. And make sure to follow them both on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Matt is a fantastic person, and definitely if you are in the Iowa community, the Iowa City community, make sure to go to him if you need anything from a real estate perspective. Uh, if you couldn't tell, the guy is just a really great guy. We've had him on the show a lot and really appreciated his time um, joining the show. Again, if you love the show, if you love all of our episodes, and if you haven't done this already, please make sure to give us that five-star review and subscribe wherever you downloaded this podcast at. And make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hawkeye Nation, I appreciate your love and support as we head into the year 2021. Have a fantastic Wednesday, and let's go Hawks.